The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. You know, one of the tweets that I've seen pop up uh, on your timeline yeah. every once in a while, because everyone's, I'll dive in there. I'm like, what are they saying to Chris? And then I got to get out of there because I'm just like, it's like, this is, this is negative. It's too negative. It's too depressing. <laughs> I go, Pete, you go in there. I'm not going back in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. It's rated R and Chris Sims Twitter threads. That's for sure. Or there's some haters out there every now and then. Yeah, Who cares? Who cares? I mean, so what? It's going to be part of the game. It's part of the game. you got to deal with some booze every now and then at the quarterback position. What's up, everybody? It's Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid. We are here for our Monday podcast, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We're going to hit everything today as usual. Um, it's nice of you, though. What a nice friend you are what? that you go through you? my Twitter mentions and and bask in the hate of, <laughs> of me for a little bit. Oh, wouldn't want to be Chris. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Twitter hate that you get that sets you off the most? Um, I, I guess it's really just with like, just it's statements that I want to go, Oh man, you're going to make this statement and come back at me. And there's so much more in depth conversation here than just to throw me you're wrong and look at his stats. And that's where I get frustrated and want to go back and then yeah. start a, a Twitter thread here where we go back and forth for a while to explain it and yeah. really like eviscerate that person. Yeah, and then by the end of that, they go, you know what, Chris, you're right. Yeah, that's how usually I've what happens seen the on light. Twitter. Right, wow. right. Yeah, exactly right. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's that. Or, or the other thing that always sets me off is the other thing, too, is like people think I'm saying something to get attention. Like I'm a shock jock like oh, that. Yeah. And that is like, yeah. as you know me, is like the exact fucking opposite of what I am. I'm literally the guy that's out here trying to go to to disprove the shock jock bullshit, right? The guy that's on TV who just listened to four other people on TV, and he's going to take the same take, and now it's going to be part of the conversation. Like, like Cooper Rush should be the starting quarterback for Dallas, but not really watching a film or watching a game of Cooper Rush and going, okay, it's good, but... If Dak Prescott played like this, we'd be going, what's wrong with Dak Prescott? You don't think Cooper's so, the answer? No, I don't. And we'll get to that. And I think we finally <laughs> know that. But that those are the things that bother me. If more you want to set Chris off, yeah. how you can do it is say that he's saying something because of clickbait. Yeah, clickbait exactly. will clickbait. set you off. That's what I mean. That'll, that's, that your, that's your trigger word. That is my trigger word. That'll get you going. Exactly right. You want to yep. get Chris going, say it's, he's doing it for clickbait. Right, right. And you want to also get me going? Yeah. You wear yellow pants. And that's what you're doing today. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me hate. going. Look at you wearing maize and blue today for Michigan. Yeah, that was a big win against that was Penn a State. big win. Big win. 
you had a you had a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Me and Ahmed got to see each other on Friday night at a Greenwich High School football <laughs> yeah. game against St. Joe's. That was awesome. Yeah. And just to it, just so everybody knows, Ahmed's the just the absolute just finest American we've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he really is. Friday night yeah. with his dad in yeah. the bleachers. Yep. And I felt bad because I kind of told you where I was, right? The bleachers were kind of crowded. I wasn't going to go climb up in there and try to find you. Can't you can't go there. You get, you get swamped. So, it's like, oh, Chris Sims is here. You got to stay <laughs> out of the spot. You got to get the paparazzi out of there. Yeah. But, but then I, I was like, I figured you were there with some friends or you knew somebody from the other high school. So I'm like, hey, I'm over here in the corner you know, by the track or whatever watching – and it was just you and your dad. Mm-hmm. So when I saw you and your dad, I was like, oh, man, now I feel like a jerk. I made them get out of their seats and like come over and say hello. But- I go, Dad, you got to walk over here. He goes, all the way over there? I was like, yeah, it's for Chris Sims. He's like, not worth it. <laughs> exactly. But we did. No, yeah, it was good. It was, it was we good. like to go to a high school football game every Friday. No so doubt. Uh, that was cool to see Greenwich play there. It was cool to watch the games with you yesterday. Yes, in it was. In the big room, Tony Dungy with, with us, hanging out. Yep. So You sick uh, of me yet? We're going through all the games here. That's our promise to the homies. We go through every game. We got damn okay. Give me the headlines. We got Monday Night Football. We'll do a little preview there. Let's start with the heavyweight fights. Because there were a couple of them. One of them was on Sunday Night Football with the Eagles and Cowboys. We'll get to that game second. We start with Mahomes and Allen. Was there any game ever in the history of the NFL? <laughs> That you loved more than that game, which you couldn't totally watch it because we were doing football night in America yeah. during that. I mean, but this is this really is this is the matchup now in the NFL, isn't it? It, this it is, is the it game. Is. It is the game to, for me. Yes, and, and you know, as we we talked about last week, and and as we've talked about really even last off season and the quarterback rankings, and it just I think these two quarterbacks are clearly head and shoulders above above the rest of football. Uh, I do, and it's it is like a a Manning Brady type of thing, but with a totally different style and flair. That's where I love it. It's not like oh we checked into the right play every play. Omaha said hut. Oh hey check 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 this check that check this. These guys do all of that, but also play a style of football that is. I think more enjoyable and more fun to watch than just about anybody we've ever seen in the history of the game. And then when the checks aren't right or the play is not right, it just that doesn't mean anything to these two. And that's why I love it. So yes, and then of course I feel uh, an attachment because I went hard on these guys when it was draft time, and I'm I'm always rooting for them from that standpoint as far as uh, when they were coming out of college. But yeah, this was the matchup. And like Ahmed during this pregame show, like I was literally not paying attention. A few times, just watching the game, just going, okay, I know I'm about to come up here and talk. Yeah. All right. All right. We're not yet. Okay. And I was literally just watching, watching, watching. Okay. I'm just getting ready to come to me. And now let me <laughs> act like I'm smart and paying yeah. attention. <laughs> and then you talk about the Steelers for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Um, their numbers that we just showed there, fairly similar. That's similar. right. Um, Very similar. 40 throws for both of them. Right. 338 yards for Mahomes. It was 329 for, for Allen. Um, but the two interceptions for Patrick Mahomes, yep. one at the end of the game. Well, um, and the uh, the one in the end zone, right? And the one in the end start zone. start the game. So I, I think maybe that is what we learned from this game. It, right. it, did, did the Bills do things in this game that made life maybe a little bit more difficult for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think that's like a good place to start. I think both defenses did at some points of the game. I mean, we were sitting there. It was 10-3 late in the second quarter. We were going, well, this isn't exactly what we were expecting. You know, I think we were, you know, we all got spoiled by the end of that divisional playoff game last year but I do think there was you know 
there, there's very common knowledge of kind of how the teams like to attack, right? And I think these since these teams have played each other so much over the last few years, and I know it's Ken Dorsey instead of Brian Dayball, but still there's a lot of similarities in their offense to where, yeah, I think that led to two really good defensive minds and Frazier and Spagnolo having some good things game plan-wise to trick the other quarterback, make life hard on them. My, ba- my baseline, base headline would be this. The Bills just have more answers on both sides of the football. They really do. One, whether you talk about the offense with Josh Allen, I think you saw yesterday. First off, I think their passing game, maybe you know, just a little bit more diverse as far as what they do to attack schemes that way. Right? They really make you defend the whole field because Allen can throw the screen, screens and the short passes and do all that. But Allen and the Buffalo Bills, as compared to the Kansas City Chiefs, another thing they have in their favor is they really throw the ball outside the numbers a lot too. So you couple that with, whoa, wait, we got a little bit better offensive line this year in Buffalo. They can run the ball too, and you can't just sit there this year and play cover two and play these zone coverages all the time, Kansas City, because we got some other answers for you. And you, you can see here, right here with the, the sprite chart, right, Ahmed, about yeah. the difference in how these guys attack a Yeah, what bit. does this passing chart show you? It looks like Josh Allen deep outside the numbers. I think we have a number on that, right? Uh, deep outside the numbers. He was 16 of 20. For 229 yards and all three of his touchdowns. Right. Well, you you know you think about you think about the the three touchdowns. Two of them were go routes, right? Kind of down the right sideline. The throw at the end of the game to Dawson Knox was hanging the pocket, hit him in the back left corner of the end zone, and and then some of the biggest pass plays of the game were some of those highlights we showed during Sunday Night Football where he hit those cover two in between the safety and the corner. Coach Dungy kind of raved about it like they make it look so easy and this is not an easy throw. I think between that, you know, and then the biggest thing to me is too is Buffalo's defense. Buffalo's defense, as you saw, you know, they're a different animal this year and they don't have to be quite as daring and creative and maybe take as many chances as they did in years past because of the depth of their football team, I think, on the defensive line primarily. I think they got into a game yesterday and went, we don't have to, you know, like you've heard me kind of say all year, we don't have to have, you know, the linebackers at the line of scrimmage faking a blitz, maybe blitz, and you don't know what's going to happen because we're trying to confuse you so you don't run the ball, but we're going to drop back into coverage. And you know, they were having to scheme up things to kind of hide some deficiencies on their defensive side of the ball, and that's no longer the answer. So, yeah, right now, uh, these are two, of course, heavyweights, but I think the Bills are just a little bit more of a complete football team throughout and put a little more pressure on you on both sides of the ball if I had to boil it down to one yeah, thing. Yeah, you've mentioned it a lot of times. I know. Von Miller has changed that defense a team high five quarterback pressures three quarterback hits he had a pressure on that last game deciding interception Taron Johnson no doubt had a had a pressure I think on the the drive before where you know the to stop the um the Chiefs on the field goal that when they went up 20 to 17 he didn't get a sack Mahomes is going to scramble for the first down all right he kind of avoids the guys run to his left and Von Miller chases him down from behind and trips him up for I think a gain or two where you look at the play and I went oh man if he didn't get him he's going to get a first down and then who knows what happens they're up by a touchdown Mm -hmm. so yes Von Miller as we've talked about Gregory Rousseau continues to show presence on the football field Jordan Phillips as we've discussed those are these are different animals that they haven't had in years past and it's freed up Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano 
And now they don't always have to try to, oh, well, let me help out the D-line and make up for our deficiencies there to where they can play football too. So uh, awesome game. It really was. I can't wait to kind of sit down here this afternoon and watch it again just to really digest it. But uh, it looked like both quarterbacks made a number of big plays and big throws. And, yeah. and obviously Allen just got the best of Mahomes in this I'm one. I'm guessing we'll probably talk about this game a little bit again on Wednesday, at least some part of this game. Yeah. Sam Bradshaw, 33, right. says, just talk about Josh Allen the whole show, please. <laughs> Anything else you want to say well, about Josh? <laughs> no, I mean, you, you know my thoughts. I mean, just yeah. both of these guys are just, it's amazing. And some of the plays they made during the game, you just go, I just, there's nobody that could do that or, or make it look that easy and still pull it off. They're one you know, and two, and no one is really all that close, that, that's, right? That's my point. That's, that's what I tried to say to a lot of people last week and even on a few like radio stations I went on. I just went, in my eyes, I mean, listen, I love Herbert. You know I love Burrow, mm-hmm. right? You know, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, whatever. We can go down the list. Lamar. I don't think I'm going to put anybody in the class of these two right now because just there's very little weakness to their game. It's it's as you heard me say, it's brains and brawn and and they can do it all that way. And of course, then just the backyard style of football too that makes them so unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, Mahomes' first touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster, running to the right, throwing the ball across the field, Juju catches it, breaks a tackle. You know, they're. You know, they have a good system, again, but to me, they're more a little more reliant on stuff like that at times, right? And I just go, that's not always going to get it done against these better defenses where sure. I feel like Buffalo has a few more schematical answers at times. And uh, we'll see. This Kansas City defense will continue to get better. They are young. They are and young. that's where I go, this isn't the best of what they have to offer yet either. Uh, we'll see where this all heads uh, when it's all said and done. But I'm, I'm surely hoping this is the AFC Championship matchup. We might be seeing the best of the Eagles uh, this year because yeah. they took on the Cowboys, yeah. one of the best defenses in all of football, and they scored 20 on them in the second quarter alone. Right. That's more than Dallas had given up in any game this season. It's crazy, the Eagles in the second quarter. Have you seen this stat? An NFL record, 112 points in the second quarter through six games. I knew it was something like that. 11 teams have not scored 112 points this entire season. That's that's incredible. They're outscoring teams in the second quarter alone, if you just take all the other quarters out of it. But it it was a complete game, it seems like. It wasn't like they really let up. Maybe early in the third quarter, Cowboys got back into it, had a chance, Cooper Rush. But um, I don't know. After this Sunday... We talked about this on the show. Yeah. The Eagles. Yeah. When you talk about complete teams right. in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, is there a debate that there's a, a more complete team, all-around team, than no. the Eagles? No. I don't think there is. You know, I, they're, they're clearly that team. Do, there's, are there some teams with potential to maybe challenge that as we go on? Sure. The 49ers, maybe, when they get healthy, I, I would maybe put them. If they get healthy. If they get healthy. The team they were playing last night. I, I Again, I look at that game and go, yeah, Philly's the best team in football. But as you heard me say after the game, I went, there's a lot of silver lining here for Dallas. Dallas wasn't outclassed in the game. I mean, here they were, you know, Cooper Rush, interception, missed fourth and one pass, interception on three consecutive drives, and we were in a 20-17 game in the fourth quarter. So I, I think that tells you about their football team, too. Do they have the potential, I think, to at least challenge that uh, Philly team as, as the season goes on for one of the more complete teams in the NFC? There's no doubt about it. And let's just stop it. Are we all done now? Are we done? Are we done? Are we done? They need Dak Prescott, okay? 
It's, it's, I'm glad it came to fruition for everybody so we could stop the fucking nonsense here a little bit. Love Cooper Rush. It's not personal against him. It's personal against all the idiots out there that are going, well, maybe they should start him over Dak Prescott. Like, you're insane. I you, think the inkling maybe for most to, to be favorable yeah, and charitable right. is that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, and if I, you got a good thing rolling, for whatever reason, it's working. I, know. I think most people I, I know Dak's you. better than Cooper, but yeah. why mess with it well, if he keeps I, winning? I, I, yeah, I get that, but, it's, but a lot of it's been be you know by the skin of their teeth and a little luck to where I didn't watch the game and just go well yeah he's really playing at such a high level you can't take him out as you've heard me say a few weeks it's it's there's some spotty moments there's plays to be had this game's a little closer than it should be because he didn't hit a few throws or whatever so uh but either way I know he's had a, an outstanding run but I think that at least silences that conversation and now we can go on to Dak yeah. and they're going to need Dak they're Super Bowl caliber and a game like last night they need Dak Prescott to make a few plays in the past game, get the ball to Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, and that could be a different story altogether. So who do you give the edge to? Eagles or Cowboys with Dak? How close are they? I'm still going to give the Eagles. I got to see it with Dak, and I mean, but the Eagles right now are a fine-tuned machine, like you said. The Eagles have one flaw. You know my flaw. They had two flaws at the start of the year where I went at the start of the year. I, I kept going, defense is too simple, right? Yep. And they're just going to let teams, they can't just think they're going to line up and just absolutely dominate. They've fixed some of that. That They are definitely more creative. And then you know my other question. And so does the Lance Sayers. He goes, last night you said you think the Eagles' biggest issue is when they become too obsessed with being pass happy. Yep. Can you explain that more? Right. Well, to me, again... Uh, the attempts are are very important. The rushing attempts. I don't even care about success all the time. But the one thing that has jumped out to me in every game, especially when the Eagles go through these stale parts of the game where you go, wait, they were moving the ball at will, and now here we are three drives in a row. They haven't done anything. Wait, what happened here? And they all have a common theme where it starts to get into the drop-back pass game every time. And last week, I mean last night, all you, all you got to do is – Look at look at this way this third quarter started. They ran they ran I think eight plays or nine plays to start the third quarter. Two of them were runs. It was all drop back pass, and of course that meant to short drives, punt it back to Dallas. Dallas scores. Get the ball back. We're gonna incomplete, incomplete. Sanders for three yards, incomplete. Sack for minus twelve. It just so when the game plays through the drop back pass game, they're not the same team. You've heard me say enough, and I'm just saying it again to to all the people out there. When they play through the run game, and at least just keep that threat alive. What does it do? Okay, wait, hey, we're running. Oh, they got to stop the run. Oh, okay, wait, wait. Now we're worried about the run. Oh, no, the read option stuff. Oh, no, that, the read option and the RPO. That Both of those games start to open up a little bit. So now we start to go, whoa, 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 whoa they got A.J. Brown on a slant round and one-on-one, and he got 20 yards. Well, it's because they're playing run through, the, through that. They're running an RPO, a running play, where he's just going, let me throw it. Oh, wait, now I keep it off the edge. Oh, wait, hey, you didn't you – didn't, account for me oh I run for 10 yards oh wait you did account for me oh well now I throw it out there to AJ Brown or Goddard because that guy that was supposed to be covering him came up to account for me and then boom oh okay now we got that oh wait now the next play oh there's eight guys in the box what happens Ahmed we got one-on-one outside oh let me throw a go route to AJ Brown they can't bump and run and play him that way they lose that at times for whatever reason it's like a disease with all offensive coordinators in the NFL. They're just like, wow, running the ball and dominating that way is just 
it's not as fun and I want to throw for 350 and that's how I'm going to become a head coach. I don't know yeah. what it is. I'm just riffing there, but they definitely lose their way at times with that style. And then, of course, what happened? 20 to 17, right? I'm going to just go for it right here, okay? If you don't mind. I don't know what you're going to go for, but here we go. First and 10 is 20 to 17. Game's gotten tight now. It's 14-39 left in the fourth quarter. Miles Sanders, right guard, 13 yards. Miles Sanders, left guard, five yards. Miles Sanders, up the middle, one yard. Jalen Hurts scrambles up the middle, five yards. uh, Scott. Yep, Scott, five yards, right? Run again, one yard. Run again, five yards, six yards, three yards, two yards. The whole drive was the run game. Fun They're, time is over, Jalen Hurts' right arm. Well, well, I'm just saying the strength of their team is their offensive line yeah. and then his ability to run off of that. And when they lose that, their way that way, they're not as consistently dominant. And sorry for the long talk there. But. No, so Micah Parsons, you know, the guy that you're zeroing yeah. in on if you're the Eagles and trying to protect your quarterback, he had two pressures. His only two pressures came in the second yeah, half when right. he got a little too pass-happy. Yeah, happy. pass-happy, of course. First half, he had no pressures on 10 pass-rush attempts. And I thought one of the most fascinating things is how do you stop Micah Parsons maybe the most dominant defensive player in the NFL yeah a lot of times they didn't block him yeah it was interesting right I mean <laughs> yeah. we were all we were kind of like uh they optioned him and all right? they optioned him. they right. made him decide and whatever he decided Jalen Hurst just did the other that's right they said we're not going to run away from him so he can run us down from the backside or shoot a gap all right or we're not going to run a gap or two away from him so that he can just get off a block and get there we're either going to run at him with like tight end tackle double team, or we're going to make sure he's on the weak side of the formation, fake the run, and now, hey, here I am, Jalen Hurts, and wait, do you want to go over the guy that I you know, gave the ball to or faked yeah. it, or are you going to take me? And they just made him wrong. And it's a, a great way to, to you know, take away a disruptive player out of the football game. Uh, so that was a very interesting approach. But, you know, yeah, that says it all, too. You know, he was not really effective. All of a sudden, the third quarter, it starts to become, hey, we're going to throw the ball. And all of a sudden, we start to go, damn, Michael Parsons, there he is, being disruptive. So uh, that's where I just don't want the Eagles to fall into that trap. You know, of course, we know what their, their potential is, and they're a damn good football team. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Eagles got a win. They were the favorite. You know, it was a tough day for favorites out in the NFL. We're going into the upset section of the podcast now, and we have four games that were pretty significant upsets. One, not quite as much, but uh, the Steelers beat the Bucks. Yeah. Jets beat the Packers. Right. Falcons beat the 49ers, a banged-up 49ers team. Yeah. And the Giants beat the Ravens. Look at you now. You're saying Giants with authority. I love <laughs> you it. You have to. Yeah. When you're 5-1, and one, you have to say it like that. Yeah. So... Those four games, we're going to do them in the order of what you think was the biggest upset right. on Sunday. So which of those four games was the biggest upset? And we'll do that first. I, I, I think it's Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. I think so, too. I mean, Pittsburgh has shown moments this year. If we go, are they one of the more poorer teams in football, right? And Tampa, even though it hasn't looked like the Tampa of last year or the year before when they were going on the Super Bowl run at the end of that season – Again, to me, has a, a a 
a roster that's in a, a different state of quality compared mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh. And I guess we still keep sitting there going, well, they're going to they're gonna put a full game together here soon. They're going to put a full game together here soon. So, And then, of course, with the way Pittsburgh looked last week and absolutely just getting shit on by the Buffalo Bills, like, yeah, that was the shocker of the day to me, for sure. And the Steelers banged up in the secondary. Right. No Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. How do, like, from what you saw, yeah. how'd they do this? It, it looked like, first off, that their defensive line kind of won the battle as far as winning, you know, again, it's the old formula of, like, guts get there with four. It didn't look like a lot of crazy blitzes. Tactical five-man blitz every now and then, you know. But I, I'm guessing it was really good disguises in the secondary to just get Brady to pat the ball an extra time. He looked jumpy. And he Brady looked, did not look comfortable. And that's that's the thing that we'd write. We were, as the game was going on, we kept just going. They did a good job of, you know, blitz one, drop a guy out. And it seemed like their stunts and their movement up front was just getting around him and hit him enough to where then when he did have a clean pocket, he was, like you said, jumpy, leaning on his front foot, missing a few throws. I mean, there was a point in the game, I think, where he was like, 15 of 31 or 14 of 29. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great stats. They had made him feel uncomfortable. I'm just shocked by that. Their inability to control the line of scrimmage in the run game. No big plays really in the pass game. You know, I think all those things are a little surprising to me. I mean, th- this is to where we've hit the point with the Bucks where I go, okay, I think maybe this is what the Bucks are. I don't know if it's going to get a lot better. I don't know. I don't know if the offense line is capable of maybe being as dominant as I thought. Mike Evans, I think, has maybe lost a half a step. He's not as explosive. Chris Godwin's still not 100%, right? There's no Gronk there. You know, they're still trying to find that guy to be the third receiver. So I think with those issues, and then you couple that with, like, a defense that was a master in creating chaos the last few years and hitting people and causing fumbles and strip sacks and Todd Bowles crazy coverage, you're stupid, you threw in, we tricked you, interception. And none of that's going on right now. It's less than in all categories right now, which I'm, I'm really shocked by with Tampa Bay. And yeah, there's nothing that I look at right now to go, it's really close, right? There's nothing. No. Every week is a struggle, and he's not the same at quarterback. And then they can't support him the same either. And uh, I'm not sure about Tampa Bay. I'm still going to sit here and tell you they're a playoff football team, but they're nowhere near like the elite of the NFL right now with, with the current status of how they're playing. They have been held to 21 or fewer points in five of six games this season. They had one touchdown in four red zone possessions this last game. Uh, and Brady loses to a rookie starting quarterback for the first time since 2014. However, Kenny Pickett didn't play the whole game. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so that's the crazy thing about this game. If you yeah. were to say who is going to make the most big time throws down the stretch of this game, you'd guess uh, Tom Brady. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. You go, all right, I guess it was Kenny Pickett. Wrong. It was Mitchell Trubisky coming back in. Pickett had to leave because of a concussion, unfortunately. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky, there are some significant third down and long. We're not even, that's not third and short, third and long. And he found Chase Claypool on a couple of those. He made the big time throws when they needed him. He definitely did. I mean, he 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 really good for him having to come in in that situation. I bet you most people in the stands are like, "Oh gosh, here we go. We're gonna lose now." It's it's Trubisky in the football game, but yeah, I, I think 
you know, one didn't turn the ball over, but I think two is what you're talking about. And I think one of the number one complaints we've had about Trubisky is just a little more aggressiveness, throwing the football, decision-making, pushing the ball down the field. And he did that. And I think that's where, you know, you're excited about it. I'm, I'm still amazed by the defense. I think that's yeah. the thing I come away with, just going, how the hell did that happen? Um, but, yeah, good for Mitchell Trubisky. And, again, their run game's got nothing there. There's nothing special to talk about. Um, but, man, the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's just amazing. Every year you think you kind of can cancel them out. Yeah. As soon as you think it's time to cancel them out, okay, they're going down to Suckyville. And here they are. And it's just it's, uh, it's, it's amazing that way. It Here's really what is. I'll say. Yeah. If they make the playoffs, you'll kiss my feet. We already did that last year. I will do it again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if they make the playoffs, I will kiss your feet. Okay. Part two. Okay? Neither of us want this. I don't know. Like, if even the homies are like, no, we don't want to see that again. This is a bet nobody wants, but we've made it once again for the second year in a row. They were a nine and a half point underdog against the Bucks and won the game. All right. What was your second biggest upset of those I chunk think, of games? I think the next one is, I think it's the obvious one here. I think this is number two, which is the Jets over Green Bay. I think so. Seven and a half point underdogs. The right. Jets not only beat them. Yes, that's but the point. Green Bay, it right. was like they never had a chance. Right. That, that, that's where I think it's like, you know, it's close to rivaling the, the Buck Steelers game just because it was 27 to 10. And it was like, hey, they're late in the fourth quarter and they're not even going to put Rodgers back in the game. It's, it's Jordan Love time. Like they've, they've cried mercy. Yeah. Right. I, I hope. You know, everybody can appreciate what we've been saying about the Packers a little bit, or at least that we've been sitting here trying to tell everybody, you know, not to say we're right about everything, but we've had our moments this year where I feel like we're a week or two ahead of the curve and then people see it and go, oh, uh, the Packers offense, huh? There is an issue there. Yeah, there's an issue. I don't know what else to say. You know, I don't. And, you know, again, nothing's all that special. You know, no big plays, and then, of course, you know, no big plays, not being able to control the clock or run the ball the way they want to yesterday, and then, you know, having other issues as far as special teams, whether it was block field goal, block punt, uh, giving the, the, the Jets a short field because they fumble a handoff to, to Dylan. Yep. Right. So there's mistakes being made there, too. And again, this is what I've been trying to say. When you play this style of football like Green Bay is playing, there's no room for error. There's none. But there you have the Jets. The Jets do have room for error. You know why? Because they got playmakers and they don't go for we're going to throw it for four yards here every play. And we want to run it up the middle for four so we can be in second and six. They run plays that attack you. And their ability to attack was the difference in the game, whether it is the block punt or the double move up the sideline to Corey Davis, big touchdown pass there, then run a reverse to Berrios, right? You know, the Brees Hall, what he brings to the table. The Jets are explosive, and they can kind of have their moments every game we're seeing here where they can go, we can go, whoa, they went on a little run here in like a four-minute span, just like last week they did as the Dolphins. So that's where they're kind of exciting. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's time just like Tampa Bay with the ba the Bays. The Bays, it's Bay of Pigs right now. Ooh, Yeah, Bay of Pigs, right. They, they need to panic a little in Green Bay too because the defense is also like Tampa Bay. Just 
should be more dominant for some of the talent they have on the football field. Yeah, if you're a Packers fan right now, you're staring at something that doesn't look real good. You're like, oh boy, are we nearing that rebuild phase, the post-Aaron Rodgers, who knows how much longer he's going to want to play for a right. team that might not be that good. It's still early. They're 3-3 three and three right now, although it is their worst start since 2012, so they haven't felt this feeling this late in the season for quite a while here. Uh, Thomas... Petinelli, though, says, love your pod, Chris. Thank you, Thomas. Might want to throw some respect on this defense, hashtag cheese sauce. So I think there's a couple players that we yeah. do need to mention Let's here. Let's do it. The, the cheese head right. sauce. I love that oh. at the end of the game. that was so. He, it looked like he was having so much fun. He had a great game. So why not enjoy it? He's, I mean, he's for real. I mean, they, they crushed it. Again, the Jets, the Jets have crushed the draft. They have. And I think you're all seeing it with Zach Wilson, too. I mean, there's a lot of guys the last few years where you go, man, these are the last two draft classes are, are contributing big time to our football team. So, yes, I'll give her the, the – see, the Jets' defense kind of marries their offense too. They make plays. They're, they got speed. They're aggressive. You know, they might give up a play every now and then or whatever, but, uh, you know, they, they put the pressure on you and crowd the line of scrimmage yesterday – they're made to kind of – this is where I wish I would have picked the game a little closer as I was sitting there. I was going, ah, they're kind of made to take away these short passes. They always kind of keep eight guys at the line of scrimmage. They got very fast linebackers. They got a fast safety, you know. So it's hard to be able to, oh, we're going to throw a little RPO in there for three yards in between people all the time. They, they take that away. And uh, their speed is a real issue, let alone the guy who's the MVP of their defense that we talked about last night, Quinton Williams. He's, he is uh, becoming a star in the NFL and the best player in their defense for sure. You, know, you couple him with Jonathan Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson and you know some of the other guys they got to round out the roster on the defensive line, it's a damn good group, and it's a really good secondary, and they're making a lot of plays on both sides of the ball. Two sacks for Quinn and Williams, three quarterback hits, couple tackles for a loss, forced a fumble, blocked a field goal. Jets as a team blocked a punt as well. Yeah, big some big plays, and Brees Hall was big on the ground again. He went... Uh, over 120 total scrimmage it's, yards yeah. and it, a touchdown second straight game for him. He's a player. I mean, he's a freak of nature. Zach Wilson only had to throw for 110 yards. Didn't have to do much today. That's right. Or yesterday. It didn't. But, you know, again, I just, you know, I, I think it's, it's exciting for the Jets. And it's, they're going to be in just about any game they're in just because I think of their explosive ability on both sides of the ball. I think they're capable of being shootouts. They're, incap- they're capable of being games like we saw last week. But, man, you look at Steelers game. 20 to 10, rip off 14 points like that at the end of the football game. Dolphins game, it's 19 to 17 with like 10 minutes left in the game, and they went 40 to 17. And then yesterday, you know, we're sitting there 3 3 for most of the day, and then all of a sudden, it's just like the floodgates opened in the third quarter. And it was like, see you later. See you later, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. I mean, they had that one drive in the third quarter where Rodgers made some incredible throws to make it 17 10, but. That was that. And see you later, Green Bay. And now they're 3-3 three and three and are going to be fighting for their playoff life here. So I think it only makes sense to go from one New York story to the other. Your Giants. The G-Man. Proud Papa over here. Beat the Ravens in a game that they didn't lead until the very end, basically. Uh, they've already surpassed their win total from last year. They were 4-13 and 13 last year. They are 5-1. and one. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think this team would be 5-1? I, I wouldn't have thought they would have been 5-1 and one if you asked me two weeks ago when they were 3-1. <laughs> I mean, of course not. I would have been like, what? Yeah. We're going to be 5-1 and one after we're 3-1? and one? Are you kidding me? 
You're lying, right? Pizza in my ear going, I didn't think we were going to be five and one yesterday. (laughs) In the third quarter. It's just, it's incredible how comfortable the Giants are in these type of football games. And I think that, again, speaks to a head coach, a defensive coordinator who just got grit and toughness and creativity. And you're seeing that they don't panic. So the team doesn't panic. I mean, down in the fourth quarter of the Tennessee Titans. So, big deal. All right. Oh, we're in a one-score game against Carolina in week two. Don't worry. You know, we'll make a few plays, and we'll kick a long field goal and win it. And the Bear game, ugly as can be. All right. You know, last week in Green Bay, the way they were, you know, in, in London, we're down. And just, okay, now it's 20 to 10. We got to start, you know, we got to be really efficient now and start putting it together. And they do it. They just answer the bell. That's where it's. It, I find it kind of amazing. And here yesterday, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here going, well, damn, man, it's good showing, really good showing. Like, we, you know, down 20 to 10, we made it 20 to 17. What a great drive. What a good job by Daniel Jones hitting Bellinger again. And we got a good tight end there in Bellinger. And there we are, right? And it's go, all right, well, fuck, damn it. Ravens are, he's going to sneak this and. I don't know. At the very best, we're going to get the ball with like 30 seconds left in the game. It's going to be over. And they line up in an illegal formation, make it third and six, and then Lamar has the dumbest play of the season for him so far. You know, Bad snap, running 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, tries to fit a ball in that would have been, I think, like one yard behind the line of scrimmage or right yeah. at the line of scrimmage, into double coverage, interception, great return by Julian Love. And all of a sudden, the Giants are winning. It was incredible. It was their first pick of the year for the Giants. It's amazing. I mean, it was those two plays changed the entire game. It, it changed the entire game. It went from first down, you're right, 30 seconds left maybe, if, if that. If that, if you're going to get it back, right. Um, to Then they go down, then they score with Saquon. Um, but, yeah, it was the defense that made it happen. Wink Martindale, it's got to be a great day to be Wink Martindale. Right. Against his former team, now his new team is the defensive coordinator for the Giants. Alejandro Blanco says, how about a damn okay for Kayvon Thibodeau? The Giants' defense and Wink versus Lamar. Kayvon was the one that forced that fumble at the end of the game to basically seal it. You know it. I mean, again, it's a guy that you know. I I certainly know I've been a little critical of. I'm rooting for him. That was a big time play and a big moment. That's why we drafted him. Hopefully, we can get more of that. There's you know. So that that was a positive. You know, and and overall, okay. As much as I want to sit here and just go, man, the Giants and Daniel Jones once again. Just play in the right way. And then, you know, again, the Giants, they just, like we joked about last night, they just hang around, hang around, hang and hang and hang. And, oh, you'll fuck up somewhere in the fourth quarter and that'll give us the extra possession and we'll make it, we'll capitalize and you'll be, oh shit, we're going to lose to the Giants. It's just unbelievable. It's every week. I mean, the Ravens controlled that football game. Yes, they did. The Ravens controlled the game. I mean, I wrote it down in my notes like three different times as I was watching it. Giants couldn't really get anything going. You know, a few ugly field goal drives, the 10-play 53-yard touchdown drive there in the second quarter. But the Ravens were kind of moving the ball up and down the field. The silver lining for the Ravens is their run game got going, their traditional run game. It wasn't Lamar's scrambling run game. It was Lamar off of design quarterback runs. Yeah, Kenyon Drake, and 119 then, yards. Exactly right. Kenyon Drake broke like three or four runs where it was like 25, 30 yards type of runs where that to me was encouraging. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you're a yeah. Ravens fan, you're sick of that because now all three of their losses, they have had double-digit 
second-half leads. And so UT Madden said, what's wrong with the Ravens? They're allergic to maintaining a lead. So you have those silver linings in all three of those games. Yeah. But now this is getting a little old. Well, it is getting old. And one is this is where you know their defense is not that good, so they're not going to close teams out. As I, you know, again, I know their defense has been better the last few weeks, but they've been fortunate to play teams that are pretty simple and basic on the offensive side of the ball to make them look a little bit better. And then, you know, I think this was the first game that I, I can say all year where I, I've said last week we saw signs of it, but this is the first game where they could really run the ball, I think, traditionally. And we're one yard away from running the clock out, yeah. an illegal formation. So, I, 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 again, I, I think there are some positives as far as Baltimore's concerned here. You know, I think the offense, and again, let's not forget, there's no Rashad Bateman. They're dealing with that uh, when he's back. But yeah, it, it, this is, they're a team where their defense is on the field in a big moment. I'm, I'm taking the offense to go down and score, no matter just about whoever they're playing. Mm. I just don't think they're talented enough. I don't think they have the pass rush to get there to close those games out in those moments, and, and uh, that's been their issue all year. They're one of those teams where it's like, all right, give them another month month and a half. Let's see where they are at the end of the season as opposed to the beginning of the season. I'm, I'm with you. Should be better. Should right. be able to close out some of these games. Still we'll good. If they can stay healthy. Yes. Right. Uh, staying healthy is not something that 49ers have been able to do this season. Man, it has been rough for them. So I think maybe the least surprising of the fourth, uh, four upsets here is the 49ers losing to the Falcons. The spread was only three and a half points because I think Vegas knew about the injuries for the 49ers on defense. I mean, they didn't have who? Bosa was out. No Armstead. No Armstead. No Kinlaw. Jimmy Ward's been out. Emmanuel Mosley gone for the year with that ACL. Right. I mean, at a certain point, like you don't want to make excuses for teams. That seems kind of lame, right? And the Falcons did a lot of things to win this yeah. game. McGlinchey hurt. Yes. Offensively and defensively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. At a certain point, I mean, no team can make up for the number of injuries that the 49ers have, <laughs> yeah. have had. It's hard. It really is. It is. And, and, you know, for the style of football they play, there's just some really – key positions too I, I understand that everybody's top tier pass rusher and things like that but the, they're a team that's really about their front four they're built through that you know, they don't want to blitz a whole lot they're not that kind of team and to not have those horses there yeah is an issue and then you know a little banged up on the offensive line I mean across the board Trent Williams McGlinchey you know there's been issues there and, you know, they got a center plan and Brendel who's below average. You know, I, I really still thought they would win the football game. Mm. I did. Uh, but Atlanta is one of those teams where I'm just I'm amazed by Atlanta. They're another team like the New York Giants that I just go every week. They play the right way. They manage the game the right way. And they're just going to go. We're going to make it ugly and be in a one score game late. And we're going to hope we pull it out. That's kind of the way they play. And that's scary for, you know, teams. But the one thing that jumped out to me yesterday, all right, Ahmed, is mm-hmm. they came out throwing the football. That was the one thing. I, right, the first drive, I went, oh, wow. You know, they took the approach of we're going to throw with Mariota, who played really well. They didn't throw a whole lot after that first drive, honestly. And then defense gets a, a fumble on Jeff Wilson's third and one run. They pick it up, run it for a touchdown. So there you are, 14 nothing against a team who, you know, I mean, you're down 14 nothing against a team that, really likes to control the clock and make the game shorter. Yeah. So that that was tough. And then I, I think the shock of the day to me was the fact that I just thought the 49ers would still be able to run the ball a little bit on Atlanta. I, so the fact that Atlanta ran the ball so consistently well on their side of the ball 
and the 49ers couldn't get a running game, I think to me it was really the, the shocker of the day there. And as we always know, when the 49ers become too much past Jimmy Garoppolo, that's not their strength of their football team. It's not. And it becomes a little predictable, and you know where Jimmy Garoppolo likes to throw the football, and that becomes sometimes, when you do it over and over, dicey to throw the ball down the middle into tight windows time after time after time. Yeah, Mariota only one incomplete pass the entire day, 13 to 14, 129 yards. Here's Jimmy G's passing chart. little different chart than Mahomes and Josh Allen. A little closer to the line of scrimmage. Well, the two just... touchdowns are basically just over the line of scrimmage. That, yes. Uh, here's a question from Derek Weatherford. I don't know how closely you were watching this game at the end because there was a lot going on with yeah. all the other games. Yeah, cool. Let me um, hear but it. he said, thankful to have Kyle as the coach of the 49ers. So right. he just wants to put that out there. Yeah. But then he says, but I have noticed that he is not a fan of the hurry up. They are down two touchdowns. They seem to be showing no sense of urgency. Is this Kyle's style? Is this because the defense was tired? What are the reasons? I don't yeah. know how much you saw. I'm that. guessing it was a little bit of all of that. The defense being tired. You know, I got to go back and look, see how many timeouts they had available and things like that. You know, but but yeah, I don't. I uh, listen. I think there's a reluctance whenever to, for him just go like no huddle, let it put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and let him do whatever. And he he's not always trustworthy that way. And the number one thing about them too is you know. They're at their best when they do get in a huddle, and it's a crazy shift in emotion, and then they can run a play off of that. So I think there's there's that aspect, too, that Shanahan wants to keep available to his yeah. football team. Um, but but um, oh, I was going to ask something or uh, answer something else. But but either way, I, I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, and they, uh, I mean, they, they had new guys in there. You know, the offensive line you mentioned already with some no injuries doubt. there. Jake Brendel had some issues on a drive where he had – an illegal downfield penalty, oh, and then a yeah. holding penalty, then a false start penalty, all in the same drive. Right. And so, who knows? They had a lot of different guys in doing different things. Maybe. They, they, yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt, and they become too easy to defend. You know, that, that's that's where my I always get back to the Jimmy Garoppolo, the negative Chris Sims when he's on Jimmy Garoppolo is just because you know, his inability to throw the ball outside in the numbers and down the field. You know, it's just. You know, bring up that sprite chart again, Pete, if you can, the one we just showed. I mean, again, you know, it, it's it's not hard to coach defenses that way to stop that type of passing game. You know, it's just, let, let me find creative ways to get guys down in the box to, one, stop the run, and now guys, you know, in the box between the tackles to stop the short passes over the middle of the football field. And for, like, a smart defensive coordinator like Dean Pease, I think once he took away the run game, he was going, oh, okay, well, I know where they're going to throw it. And uh, the rest was history. He was upset early in the game, too, because the Falcons blew that 14-0 lead. It was 14-14, yeah, so they had right. to reassert themselves. They did that. The Falcons improved to 3-3. Three and three. The 49ers fall to 3-3. Three and three. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Those are the upsets. Now it's time to move to damn okay. Damn. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambolizing. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. 
damn okay to the Indianapolis Colts. They came back. They beat the Jaguars. Highly entertaining game. Good things for both teams and bad things for both teams yeah. in this game. But we're going to give the damn okay to Matt Ryan, previously called frail on this very podcast. <laughs> Skinny, uh, weak, threw the ball 58 times, 389 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. They did have an NFL high 10 turnovers entering week number six. None in this game for Matt Ryan. He gets our damn okay. Yeah, I, he deserves it. He was my damn okay on our postgame show last night. You know, we didn't get to talk about him a lot in the after the Thursday night game against Denver, right? I know you've heard me say, and you heard me say yesterday while that game was going on, we got to start giving this guy a little more credit, yeah. right? Hey, I got my questions. Yeah, I understand. I know what I said. Frail. He had the arms, not real explosive. It doesn't mean I don't have fucking mucho respecto for what the guy is doing right now, though, okay? It is phenomenal as far as they got no run game. They can't protect. He is frail, okay, and he just hangs in there and plays phenomenal football in the pocket. I mean, it's his toughness in the pocket and finding a five-yard completion and an eight-yard completion and just a subtle move and, whoa, a perfectly placed ball, all of that. So it's why they've won the last two weeks. It's the biggest reason, you know. He had less help on the field against the Broncos, somehow played, outplayed, you know, uh, Russell Wilson. There again yesterday, he had less help on the field compared to Trevor Lawrence. He outplayed Trevor Lawrence, and not that Trevor Lawrence played bad, but just made the plays that he needed to. And you know, I think he's finding something there with a healthy Pittman and Alec Pierce too. Mm. You know, they have found their way a little niche within the offense, and Paris Campbell's getting starting to, to rear his head a little bit. Um, you know, Colts are one of those teams you look at and go, mm, they have a chance maybe to turn the corner here. And maybe be a little bit of a player in the AFC when all said yeah. and done. If they can just get that old line straight. That's the biggest issue with their team right now. They're one of those teams where you look at and you're like, maybe they just played their worst stretch of football they're going to play this year. They and seem to do three, that. two, and one. Yeah. So they put themselves right in right. the mix here. Casey Andy says, hey, Chris, longtime listener, is your back hurting from patting it so hard about your Alec Pierce evaluation? <laughs> Not just that, Paris Campbell, too, showed up in me. this game in a big game, yep. in a big way. And you've been high on him in the past. Yeah. Coming yeah. out of college. I was. He, he was my seven, second rated receiver one year. He had seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown, but Alec Pierce had his first career touchdown. They, that was cool, too. The Colts could have settled for a game-winning field goal, potentially. Matt Ryan was like, no, we're going for the touchdown. What, I mean, what a big moment. I guess they just didn't, you know, they didn't trust uh, McLaughlin to, to knock it in. Or they just said, you know what, like, let's just trust our guy, put it out there in a spot where he gets it, nobody gets it. And maybe we end the game right here, and we don't have to worry about a damn field goal or anything like that. You know, and 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 uh, I mean, what a throw! What a gutsy play call! Really, that, that's where I look at it. And yeah, Alec Pierce just does a good job getting off the line of scrimmage. They they abused um, uh, Shaquille Griffin over there yesterday. They it was like uh, that was one thing that jumped out to me in the the football game. Is it's like, and when it was a man to man situation. They decided to go, let's not go after Tyson Campbell, which I understand Tyson Campbell's better. And they kind of attacked Shaquille Griffin there and made a number of plays on them. I think all the receivers did really throughout the day. But, man, yeah, the Colts. And then to be run on that like they were, I mean, they were down 14-3. to And ATN and Robinson and Hasty, I mean, they were running the ball everywhere on the Colts. 
And then the Colts have a big kick return down 14 to three. It sets up the short field and they go get the, get the touchdown and the game just kind of changed from there on out. It became a game, I guess is what I'm saying. It became highly competitive to where one team was really controlling the flow of the game and you're going, man, Jags look good. They're going to dominate the Colts once again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that eight play 54 yard drive to make it 14, 10, uh, really, really changed things up. And then they got a field goal before the half too, to where you're dominated and all of a sudden it's 14, 13 going into halftime. And there were a lot of positive things for the Jaguars in this game. I think at the end of the game here, they had that 18 play, insane. 84-yard drive. I ended remember with you saying it where you're going, Christian that was 18 Kirk. plays. Yeah. I was, was like, like, like a 10-minute drive at right. the end of the game. Basically right. took almost the entire fourth quarter, left the Colts with just three minutes, but that was, uh, that was enough time for Matt Ryan and the Colts to get a win there. So Jaguars lose, Colts wins. Jaguars have now lost 14 straight on the road. It's insane. Versus the AFC South. More big pl- Jags need more big plays in the pass game. I, I'm, I'm just like I don't I haven't looked up the stats, mm-hmm. but to me it's 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 um, Trevor was twenty of twenty two right. for one hundred and sixty five. Yeah, yards. you know I don't love that you stat like line. That. that that to me is not that's not in in twenty twenty two. Okay, uh, to be twenty for twenty two for one hundred and sixty five, that's not good enough. I just I'm I, and I'm not even blaming Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's it's you, there's got to be more you know striking of fear to the defense with attacking. And to me, that's just the game is set up for that. That's why we see the quarterbacks that we see right now kind of dominating the landscape. So, uh, yeah, that that's uh, a little bit, I guess, disappointing for them because he's got a big arm and they got some weapons. Where Where is the downfield passing game in Jacksonville? So the Colts get their third win. The Bengals got their third win. Bam. It was a little dicey at times. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase go back to the bayou. They're in New Orleans, site of their national championship in 2019. Burrow comes walking into the stadium with a LSU Jamar Chase jersey. Jamar Chase's family was there. But they were in a dogfight in this one, tiger fight in this one with the Saints. They do pull it out, 30-26. to We're going to give the damn okay to Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's worthy. Um, as here is Joe Look Burrow Joe walking B. in with that Jamar Chase That's jersey. like an actual, like, looks like the jersey. Yeah, I think it's it is a game worn. It's game worn. For sure. It's a national championship game jersey, it looks is like. It? Well, it's the 2020, right? The logo there, right? So it's for one of those final games that year That's where they the were at jersey. LSU. Yeah, it's got, like, blood on it and dirt. That's kind of gross, yeah, actually. Hey, you know, they're, they're brothers, bro. <laughs> they're brothers, okay? Brothers from another mother. Yeah. And they don't care about a little dirt and sweat and wearing it. But that is cool. That's why Joe Burrow was the man. Yeah. And that's why the team loves him. It is. That shit right there goes over big in the locker room where they go, man, look at our fucking quarterback wearing Jamar Chase. Gross jersey. He knows, right. And he knows, yeah, gross jersey. And he knows it's his homecoming. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's one of those where the players in the locker room love it. And it's like the families of the players love it too. And they just go, man, look at this guy. That's why he's really cool. That's why he's really one of the greatest leaders in the sport right now. And I know why now that he was wearing that jersey, because the Bengals do not win this game without Jamar Chase. No. I mean, there was a part of the game here where I'm going, well, the Bengals are being controlled. The Saints running the football. Saints got to go and run the ball right now. You know, just with their little combination of Taysom Hill, Kamara. They had the big reverse to to Rashid Shahid, right? I think I said that name right. No, I think it was Rashid Shahid. Didn't I just fucking say that? I think you said Shahid Rahid. I said Rashid Shahid. Did he really? <laughs> I did. All right. Check he the did. tape. 
Eat it. Yeah. Okay, check yep. my ears. All right, yeah. I know. I wish we could just throw a challenge flag and somebody could bring out the videotape, like that commercial right now. <laughs> yeah. You've seen those progressive commercials? Oh, yeah, They're yeah. They're kind of good. I don't think we'd want that most of the time. This pod would be twice as long. You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, I did screw that up. Yeah, Sorry. Right. But, Scratch but, that. But, 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 this is where I, I'm a little surprised by this element. I, I, I actually can't even fucking believe it, in all seriousness. We've talked a lot about Jamar Chase, the route tree, yep. some of those issues, the simplicity of the offense. And what did... What did every play almost that Jamar Chase caught in the football game have in common? What was it, Ahmed? Uh, Come on, you know. Don't choke under the pressure what here. What do you mean? Every play, what? Every time he caught the ball, what, what was the coverage? What was it? It was man-to-man. It's, it's just, if it's man-to-man, it's just, they throw to Jamar Chase. Yeah. It's, this is what they do. That's Unless their you, key. That's their key, and it's simple. And that's where I'm shocked that New Orleans gave them as many opportunities as they did. I just kept going, man, it's the only fucking thing that's going to beat you, New Orleans, is him being one-on-one, making a play happen. And, of course, they made the plays happen. You know, So, um, again, that was a gutty, gutty win by the, the Cincinnati Bengal football team. So Joe Goodbury has been listening to you. Yep. And he goes, is this better? And so he attached a shot of Jamar Chase's route tree Week five to week six. So you saw week five here on the left if you're watching on YouTube or on Peacock. And then week six is on the right here. So week five, you're saying, you know, slant, go. That's about it. Yeah. This is not too much more. There's a little more variety here. A little more diversity this past week. A little bit. No, not as know. much as you would like to see, though. What? You'd like to still see yeah, more just, cross? Yeah, I'd see, like to see more. Where, where's a deep cross in there? Where's a, you know, a, a, a post corner? You know, where, where, where is some of that? Where's just a deep post down the middle in general? You know, the TD was like a, a what, a 20-yard throw. It's what we call a skinny post right down the middle of the football field. The long touchdown you see with the line going down the sideline, it was a 12-yard curl route, a 10-yard stop route, whatever you want to call. Very simple still, you know, but, but also um, that's the danger they put you in. I mean, when you play him man-to-man, that's where, like, I love Joe Burrow. He does not let you off the hook. He goes, my guy's better. And I'm really good, and I'm going to put the ball on the money, and then you're going to have to tackle that fucking crazy fucker, and good luck. And that's where, you know, he's amazing. And that, that last one was the dagger. Ten-yard curl route, mm-hmm. catches it, breaks Paulson to Davos tackle. Tyrone Smith, Tyron. I don't know what he did again. Tyrone Smith is, is just not the same person Tyron anymore. Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew, excuse me. I throw the challenge flag. Yes, yeah, challenge. That, that one, you're correct. Uh, he's yeah, not Ty- the same. And he runs up the sideline basically untouched mm. and runs for a touchdown. Game over. I do give credit to the Saints, though, because they did not have Michael Thomas. Yep. They did not have Jarvis Landry. No doubt they about it. They did not have Chris Olave. Uh-huh. They did not have Marshawn Lattimore in right. this game. Right. And they were in this game. They were in and this they game. they could have won this game. They could have won this game. You're right. And that's where the Saints, I'm not giving up on them at 2-4 and four quite yet either. Mm-hmm. Same thing holds true to what we said last week, though, a little bit on the podcast. Their D-line is not as dominant as we've seen in years past. So I think that's what's leading them to having to play some maybe a little bit more aggressive defenses than they were normally accustomed to. And, you know, it's still really good, but, you know, the, the fact that you, you play the Bengals and Joe Burrow throws it 37 times and Demario Davis got two sacks, so it just shows you they got to blitz, they got to trick it up. Nobody's winning their matchups as far as pass rushing. And uh, that's, that's like where they're, they're a little different. But, man... Whether it's Jameis being back, which 
I think he will be back and end up being the starter. Yeah, there's some question on that. I know it, it is. The starter. It is. It just, but you get him back with those receivers, and then they have this same run game. I'm not going to give up on the Saints yet. I think they can still have a say in this playoff conversation. And don't give up on the Seattle Seahawks either. While you're at it, as we move on to our last damn okay, Kenneth Walker the third, another darling of the Chris Sims draft class. Love him. He popped once again. He's going to have the full-time role now that Rashad Penny, unfortunately, is out for the year. He forced 10 missed tackles in this game. Is that right, Pete? That is crazy. That's a giant number. Uh, He goes for 97 yards on 21 carries. Geno throws for 197. I didn't see a whole lot of this game. This game was happening while we were on TV and during another game that was pretty significant with uh, Allen and Mahomes. But it looked like... The Seahawks dominated. It, Nineteen to nine. You called the Seahawks the worst defense in the NFL. Right. And they hold Kyler Murray and company to no touchdowns, couple turnovers, right. and nine points total. Right. Yeah. Well, l- listen, th- it's still not a great defense. Okay? <laughs> it's not. Oh. That's not good for the Cardinals. No, it's not. The Cardinals offense sucks. I mean, I don't know what how much, you know, we it's 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 every week. It's 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 there's nothing to like write home about with the Arizona Cardinals offense. I mean, they just get it done. They're gonna play ugly, spread the field, you know, sixteen play drives, and we threw a bunch of four yard passes and you know, we're not actually that good in the run game. Uh, they're an easy offense to figure out, I think, for a lot of defensive coordinators. I think that's the biggest thing you've heard me say for the last few years. Right? What are you saying, Pete? Right. Well, yeah, right. Look at the Seahawks. Look at that. I mean, that was a strong performance for them as far as their defense is concerned. Yeah, it was better, but still, yeah, 430 yards they had given up weeks one through five on average. That was the worst in the NFL, 315 in this game. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's, if it's not Kyler making some amazing scramble or amazing run, then the drive has to be a bunch of four-yard passes and a run up the middle for four yards and then, you know, an RPO for four yards. And that that's what they do. They're kind of incapable of making big plays. They have no red zone offense to score touchdowns once they kind of get close in there. Um, and yeah, they kind of died a slow death yesterday. Kenneth Walker is a baller. I mean, Kenneth Walker is the type of talent that I look at to go, he could be in the conversation next year as best running back in football. Whoa. Yeah. All right, well, what else do you need to see? You know, what, what was the stat you just said? How many people did he make? Ten forced missed tackles. Right. I mean, he's got incredible quickness and agility to make people miss in space. We saw him go. He can take it 80 yards to the house like last week. He can run people over. And it gives him an attitude. And then Geno's no slouch running the ball, too. So you have to worry about him every now and then with the read option and his ability to scramble. But, you know, a good win for uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And, yeah, you know, Arizona, whatever, they're 2-4. and four. And I just have no faith in them this year to, to sit here and think that they're going to be a playoff caliber football team. So Frank Knowles wants to give a damn okay nomination to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Yeah. He says the Seahawks rookies, he says those two guys, Schneider and Carroll, have struck gold with the draft class. Mentioned Kenneth Walker already. Yeah. Tariq Woolen, right. third rookie since 2000 with four straight games with an interception. It's special. Rookie Kobe Bryant, NFL yeah. high four forced fumbles this season. Right. So you got them with Walker. Yes. Looking pretty good so far. Like extremely good. I mean, yeah. I mean, even you know, their left tackle, they drafted out of Mississippi State in the first round. He's he's good player. So yeah, they killed the draft. There's no doubt about it. Woolen is a freak of nature at corner. He definitely is. Uh you know, Bryant better than I thought he was gonna be. 
But their kind of guy, bigger type of corner, right? Came from uh, he was Cincinnati, I believe, right? Yes, and uh, just they know what they like, and and good for them. Again, Seattle, I give Pete Carroll so much credit always because his teams always fight. They're feisty. It just doesn't seem no matter what it is, what the game, they're ready to play, and that's where I, I really respect Seattle. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Our damn okays are done. Now it's time to go into the newsroom. Whoa. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Three more games to go through here. This is where Chris will give us a headline that has been given to him by Pete, and he will repeat it and claim it as though he thought of it originally. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. See, that's why this will be the last <laughs> week I let that happen. I'm going to no, come up with a team a- it's a team effort. No, it's no, a no. team effort. Nope, nope. This is all Pete. This is all Pete. No, not all. The third one is, was the a team effort. The third one was collaborative. But Pete, but, but here's the thing. Yeah, you know what a team does? They right. they work as a team. They isolate the people who are special at certain things. And Pete has come up with some very good headlines. Right. And so maybe he's just the best in our group at coming up with these headlines. Yeah. So we should. Right. And I Pete believe we've used this headline before. Okay. Maybe you've said it maybe before. I, I'm pretty sure we used it last year at some point. Right, so this is where Chris is trying to downplay now Pete's <laughs> headlines so that he can do them all next week. All right. Vikings against the Dolphins. Uh, Vikings beat the Dolphins 24 16. Your headline for this one is Za, Za, Za Darius. Oh, good job, Pete. <laughs> Way to go, Pete. <laughs> Way to go, Pete. Uh, Zadarius Smith, 10 quarterback pressures, four quarterback That's insane. Hits. Yeah, 10 pressures in a game. That's insane. I mean, I, I, you know, again, was, you know, keeping an eye on this football game and certainly saw him around the quarterback. Yeah. But when you said 10 quarterback pressures before the podcast, I was like, what? Like, really? It was that much? You know, that was a, an ass whooping up front, you know, by the Minnesota Vikings. I'm, I was really kind of surprised to see that. I was. I know the Dolphins' offense isn't like, you know, the greatest offensive line in the world, but they usually do a pretty good job of doing enough trickeration before the snap, and you have to worry about so many different things that they kind of take away your aggression uh, on the defensive line, and that was not the case yesterday. It's been real tough for the Dolphins, right? You have the yeah. quarterback injuries. Tua, yeah. fortunately, looks like he will be coming back for Sunday night football against the Steelers coming up this Sunday. Um, but, yeah, so the last two weeks they've kind of had to reshuffle their plans. Skylar Thompson has to come in last week, and then this week Skylar Thompson's starting. Then he gets hurt out with a thumb injury, so here comes uh, Teddy Bridgewater again. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. It's, it's been tough for, for Mike McDaniel. So I don't know how much you can evaluate there. They had some opportunities to make some big plays. Jalen Waddle with a fumble late. Oh, right, it was, what, a third and 15? I mean, really, the, the, the Vikings controlled the football game. They dominated the game. I mean, they dominated. It was 16-3, to and you were sitting there going, okay, you know, early on in the game, it was a few big passes, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, everything was working, and the Dolphins couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. And then kind of got it going in the fourth quarter where they put some drives together, uh, but, you know, 16-10, to driving the ball, and Jalen Waddell over the middle, like we were talking about, going to convert the first down. Harrison Smith, which I think it was his second forced fumble of the day. 
I, I believe it was the second one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was only the first. But he kind of gets a hand on the ball and knocks it out. And then a few plays later, it's Dalvin Cook, close the game out, and see you later, Miami. That was it. That's basically the summary of the game. So 5-1 and one for the Vikings. Shocking. Where do you put that 5-1? and one? It, 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 it's, it's a little like they have more talent than the Giants. But it's not like so much more. I mean, to me, they're one of the shocking stories in the NFC right now. The fact that the, the Minnesota Vikings are 5-1. and one. You know, The schedule's falling the right way for them a little bit, just like I think maybe even the Giants to a degree. Maybe more for the Vikings, really. Uh, but, yeah, like they're 5-1, and one, but like the Giants, I'm just not sold on it that it's going to last. I, I'm, I'm not. You know, there, There's things I like, and I know Cousins and the run game and his ability to hit Justin Jefferson, all that, but there's just a... I, I can't even put my finger on it a little bit here as far as what I want to say. I guess it's just every game is just like the Giants and skin of the teeth, barely pull it out. And really, I would say really the quality of their opponents have probably been less than the Giants that way. Well, the, the one game that they've lost yeah. was they just got handled by the Eagles. They so got handled like, by right, the Eagles. Are you and one of those chances. teams? Yeah. Are you one of those teams that you can beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on right. and then when you play at one of the top five teams, you're going to lose? That, that's where I kind of I guess we got to see. Right, and that's that's what I'm interested to see here. I mean, yeah, they they got the Eagles game. They did beat Green Bay to start the year, but that's you know first game of the season. So we'll get a little bit of better feel. They have a bye week, and then they got Cardinals, Commanders, all right, and then they got Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets. Hmm. So that stretch right there will tell us kind of yep. the real quality of the Minnesota Vikings football team. You mentioned the Patriots in that stretch. They got another win. 38-15 against the Browns. Your headline for this one is? Well, was last week it was a don't worry, be zappy. Correct. And now this week, since yeah. we're zappy, we're yeah. very zappy. We're very zappy. It's zappy hour, baby. <laughs> he is the man of the hour what? right now. 24-34, 309 yards. He had eight different receivers in this game, so he spread the ball around. I think we have a... We have a chart on what he did in this game. Yeah, there are the numbers. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. First rookie with a win and a 100 or more passer rating in each of his first two starts since Sonny Jurgensen did so in 1957. Wow. Got to go all the way back there. Probably uh, played or coached with uh, Bill Belichick back in the day because he's been around forever. <laughs> so here's the crazy thing about yeah. We'll get into Zappi. I want to hear what you think about him. But this is like the Patriots. Like if any other coach was coaching this team, I think we'd be like, wow, well done. But when it's Bill Belichick, it's just like, of course. Of course he did that. I, it, of course he, he faced the number one offense in the Lions last week and shut him out. Right. Of course he goes to Cleveland and wins by three touchdowns Against, with a rookie quarterback. Right. And within what, what, was it, what was Cleveland's offense, the rushing attack ranked, right? Like a, yeah. Number one rushing offense in football? Right. Yeah, negative ghost rider. It's like, it's like if any other coach was coaching the Patriots, he'd be like, man, look at that. That's super impressive. Now right. with Bill, it's kind of like, Yep, he's done this in the past. Yeah, well, that's where it's kind of <laughs> fucked up, especially yeah. with everybody. And, and, you know, and listen, I, I questioned it too, but there was people out there that are, were way more critical of me about the offensive coordinator thing before the year and all of that. And I think to your point, yeah, we anybody else were going, wow, I just never would have saw this coming. But you never count them out. And, you know, again, the Patriots, it's – you know, their ability to run the ball is special. And Cleveland, as you heard me say last night, they sold out to stop the run. And after that, what was it, the 31-yard run 
uh, third and ten touchdown run by Ramondre Stevens. I feel like Cleveland even sold out more, which then just led to Bailey Zappi play action passes and, and passing schemes where guys where they catch the ball and you go, there's nobody within five, six feet of him. I'm not trying to take yep. away anything from Bally Zappi. He played really good. Really did. He's hitting all the targets that he needs to. The targets are wide open. I just want to say that. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, it's it's a pretty impressive performance. And the, the Patriots are playing you know team football right now. That's for sure, too. Yeah, he was 6-for-7 on play-action passes for 144 yards and a touchdown. There, yeah. There was a one. few where I was like, man, nobody is in the screen here. Hunter Henry, the 31-yard touchdown. It was exactly like no one's right. covering him. And I think there was another play even before that on the drive where he threw a maybe a seam route to Jonu Smith on the same drive off a of play action where he was running up the left seam and like nobody was in the screen and he got a huge gain. Uh, but, but that's what they do to you right yeah. now. They have an overpowering offensive line. They run the right run play into the right looks all the time. And because of that, defenses really have to go, wait, they're elite at that. We have to change what we do to stop that. And therefore, it leads to some great looks in the passing game from Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, and, and so on. Yeah, Tyquan Thornton was yeah. a weapon. He's back first time. Rookie got hurt in the beginning of the year, made some big plays, touchdown, and then uh, looked fast out there. But Cleveland definitely did help. There's a muffed punt in there. Yep. Jacoby Interception Percet, early interception, by Jacoby. Right. A fumble late yep. led to a short field for New England, so they kind of pulled away late there. And they got them out of their, their running attack. They had 30 or more rushing attempts in each of the first five games. They just had 18 rushes for 70 yards yesterday. Yeah, this is to me where the – and this is – Cleveland, you've heard me say this. Right. All right. First off, the Patriots D is good. It's good. But this is to me, you know, the Patriots look like, again, they were like, we're, we're not going to let you run the ball. You're not going to just, you know, pull guards and Nick Chubb's going to run for eight yards. That wasn't going to happen. Patriots got big people. They can play that style of football. But where they have an advantage in this type of game is this is to me where you've heard me say this before. Cleveland doesn't tie together their play action pass well enough. So you can over, if you stop the run, they have a few of the basic play action pass plays, but they're just not enough in my opinion. And then their drop back pass game is pretty simple too. So it's one of those games where I guarantee Bill and the defensive coaching staff said, ooh, I think this is one where we can have our cake and eat it too. I can play run defense and coach our guys up to what to expect, to what patterns they're going to run in certain formations. And we can kind of stop the run and the pass game because it's just not that complicated, mm -hmm. nor is it nearly like special talent, talented in the pass game either. And I, I, Joku's the man. Amari Cooper's real good, but I'm not going to say a superstar. And, you know, so they don't pose a ton of problems or put pressure on you in that department when the run game's not working quite the way it should be. Browns are two and four. Right now, they're two and four. I mean, so that's two just, weeks away from Deshaun Watson coming back. I so mean, that'll be interesting. Two and four, they got to be sitting there just kicking themselves. Two and four with some of the losses they've had. They, I Jets mean, they have two games here, right yeah. that they they clearly should not have lost, and they kind of blew. Uh, whether it was the Jet game and um, what was the other game? Well, the Chargers game last week, certainly. Yeah. And you can even go back to Atlanta game. I mean, their season is really close to being completely different, and now it's on the verge of oh shit, we might fucking be two and six here after playing Baltimore and Cincinnati in the next two weeks. It's going to be a big test for the oh, Cleveland wow. Browns. Huge two weeks for yeah, them. Huge right. two weeks. This was a big week for the Rams taking on a Panthers team that's in disarray, firing their head coach. 
They got an interim coach in there. You got to win this game. And early on, it looked hard for them early on, but uh, they do get the win. They pull away late. Twenty-four to ten was the final score. Your headline for this game is: Here's to you, Mister Robinson. It's good that you showed up and caught a pass. Whoa! Hey, hey, hey! hey. <laughs> that was good. I like that one. Where have you been, Mister Robinson? The Rams and Stafford have been looking your way. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> that was good. Oh, damn. All Woo. right. Clip it. That's all. That's, that's the, it. That's the analysis right there. Wow. That Mike was terrific. You didn't even practice that. No, it just I came just, to you. I just did free in the moment right there. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And it Thank came you. to Allen Robinson, finally, a pass <laughs> in the end zone that he caught. It uh, wasn't a huge day, but still was his best day as a Ram so far. Five catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. I think that's a good place to start with this game because if the Rams are going to be anything, like he needs to be part of it, right? A hundred percent. And again, it, it's not a lot to look at to go, oh, wow, the, the Rams, they should feel better. They got their problems fixed. No, it's, it's still way too hard. Uh, they, they, they have a hard time making big plays. Stafford's still under too much pressure. Their run game is incapable of opening up holes. But fortunately for them, they played a team that, I, I, I mean, I, I swear you, you could fucking take the defense off the field. And I'm not sure they could go down and execute a touchdown drive. So that's, that's where they benefit. I mean, the, 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 they're really, the Carolina Panthers are offensively challenged, and their defense is still solid, but you know, there's only so much they can take and so much they can be on the field before you know, the dam finally breaks and, and uh, you know, they start to give up some plays. How do you like P.J. Walker's numbers as a quarterback? Did you see him? Yes. 10 of 16 for 60 yards. I, I just, I'm, all, I'm like, I don't even know how that's like some of these numbers lately. I don't how even know is how that it's possible. I, I don't even know how it's possible. Oh, Eason did come in. Eason came in and made some plays at the end, threw an interception when they got down there close to the uh, red zone one time. But yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. And again, not that I'm sitting here saying they should be one of the top offenses in football, but they got enough guys there. There, they shouldn't be one of the worst offenses in football. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm amazed by you know the offensive output there and yeah Carolina stinks there's no doubt about that and we'll see I don't feel a whole lot different from the Rams I don't you know um, it's just life's hard right now and they're gonna have to depend on their defense to continue to be stingy and Stafford almost like Matt Ryan right where it's just is a number of five and ten yard throws where I go, whoa, what a, what a job, what a throw. Yeah. Like, what a way to hang in the pocket and move there and buy yourself a time before you get your fucking head knocked off. You know, that, that's where I give him a lot of credit. And, you know, that was an ugly football game, but they controlled it for the most part. Other than that interception, right, pick six, that was the only time the game got a little dicey. Uh, but they go down on a long drive, third quarter, tie it up, and the game was really never the same after that. They got a bye next week. This coming week, and then what? They have the Forty ers and the Bucks, and then at the Bucks. So yeah, that'll be interesting it for them be. too. It will be. Who are they? Who are those other teams too? I, I find out a lot. Agreed. Uh, that's our last game, Whoa. and that was "Give Me the Headlines" presented by Hyundai. Before we go, though, okay, there is one more game. Yes, there the is. Night game on ESPN. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They make us say that. No. Actually, they don't make us say that. No, but I did that say it anyways. Of, out of the kindness of my heart. We don't I, avoid that. No. ESPN, that's fine. We can say that's ESPN, fine. right? I, I love Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I, I really do. very good. Yes. I, I, it's a very enjoyable listen. You know, I'm a huge Troy Aikman fan, and Joe Buck, for whatever reason, 
I don't know why some people don't like him. I love him. I love his wittiness, the way he talks the game, everything about him. I know. I don't understand the haters on Joe. Well, I was Buck always sometimes. a big. I was always a big Pat Summerall fan, and I feel like he's very similar in a lot of ways. You I know, very you. minimal. Right. We, we see it. We don't need to hear a whole bunch. Exactly right. Be excited in the big moments. I'm with you. And then let us just kind of enjoy the game. Yeah. We'll hang out. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is our uh, hat tip to ESPN and those two guys. Wow, that was big of us. Yeah, it was. Right? I don't yeah. think I don't think people realize how big of us that was. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Bet MGM parlay preview. Whoop, whoop. Broncos and Chargers. Uh, on Thursday, you said the Chargers would win by three. So you're picking the Chargers to win but not cover because the line in this one is Chargers by four and a half. I, I, well, I, this is... You know, I think the Broncos have some things here that they match up really well with the Chargers. All right, let's talk it out a little. Okay. One, okay, the Chargers are a throwing football team, right? I mean, we, we look at them. I know they ran the ball last week, but really traditionally over the last three years, they can only run the ball on the Cleveland Browns. So I don't know if I'm expecting that to take control of the game tonight. Mm-hmm. And then the Broncos are in the conversation for best pass defense in football. And they can rush the passer, and they can play man-to-man, and then they can play cool zone coverages as well. So they got a little bit of it all. I mean, there's a reason we've seen nobody look real sharp at quarterback against the Denver Broncos. So that aspect, I look at it and go, okay, they got a chance to make life hard on Justin Herbert and company. And then Ahmed, what's the Chargers' problem on defense? Stopping the run. Exactly right. Broncos can run the ball. Uh, that's that's not their problem. The problem is, is like, will Russell Wilson throw to the guy that's wide open? Will he actually trust the offense and go through reads? Will he trust his rules and not just go, wait, coach told me if it's man-to-man, you know, I should throw the ball to K.J. Hamler on the pick play to win the game. But I decided I just like Cortland Sutton better, and I'm going to play the matchup. Like, that shit's just not going to get it done. It's not. You know, let alone, you know, when you're just learning an offense and not totally comfortable with guys, it's hard to play that style of football. So uh, that that's where I think the game stays close here. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I, I certainly wouldn't be shocked to see the Broncos pull off some ugly type of win here tonight in this football game. And again, now the fact that, you know, there's no Joey Bosa, you don't have to worry about pass protecting against him. You know, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting matchup, a big one for both football teams, and that's going, for sure. You're going with the under, too, because the over-under is 46. I am going with the under. You're going 43. I am. 23 I am. I'm going uh, – I, I just um, – yeah, I'm going to trust here that the defensive coaches have a little bit more of a feel for what the offenses do rather than the other way around. I guess that's where, where I really feel about it. But, yeah, you know – uh, Broncos two and three, you know, win this, go to three and three, try, tied with the Chargers, and you're right in the thick of the things in the AFC. The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk free, up to one thousand dollars. So say you bet a hundred dollars on former Sims draft darling KJ Hamler to score yeah. a TV, TD. Sure. If you win, you'll get six hundred freaking dollars. Okay. But if you lose, you still get a hundred dollars worth of free bets. Free bets. It's a win-win. Ahmed. It's a win-win. All you got to do is simply download the BetMGM app today, or get BetMGM.com and enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. That's all you need to do. Our last game of week number six. And then we have another week in the books. Another exciting week. We've learned more. 
but we still got a lot to learn. We do. A lot of these teams are right there. Three and I mean, like a lot of these. I was looking. What's the record now? I was like three and three. Three yeah, and three. It, three well, and it three. Is. It's three, a two league, and one. That's right. It's a league of parity. We know that. It's then injuries, and then dumb managing of games throughout the league is going to lead to this crazy shit we see on a weekly basis. I mean that that's really what I look at more than anything. And you know, in the AFC, yeah, there's two teams that stand above the rest right now, and I think we know why. I mean, one, I think they're complete football teams, and then they have quarterbacks that are on a, on a different level. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, one elite team that I look at is the Eagles in the NFC. Yeah, the Cowboys, I think are, I'm still think are very close to being elite. I think you're right. Right, and you know, then there's some other teams that. Yeah, the 49ers. I got to see it. Tampa Bay, can they turn it around? I don't know. I still have faith in the 49ers more than I do Tampa Bay. Uh, but, man, the NFC seems like it's up for grabs. I don't have faith in Minnesota as being a continuing dominant football team in the NFC, but we'll see if they prove me wrong. This is uh, It's been a fun year so far. We'll see if we can get another good one tonight. Good pod. We made it through in good time here, too. And all we needed was, like, three fewer games or whatever. Three two, fewer games. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. And, and we got some more <laughs> bye weeks this week, so that's good, too. Um, Eagles are off. off our plate. Eagles are off. Rams are off. I don't know who else. but uh, yeah, I could tell you real quick. Hold okay. on. I'm, I'm good at this. This is where I... Buffalo's off. Buffalo, oh, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Eagles. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, missing some some good teams this week. All right, well, this weekend I'm doing uh, Premier League. Okay, so, so that's I was what you a good, do. I'm taking, Josh Allen doesn't a, play, and the guy I'm, goes, I'm going to soccer taking this a, week. Taking a bye week. <laughs> you know who doesn't ever take a week off? Mo Salah in Liverpool. Oh, that's right. I don't know who that is, but what? sounds Mo good. Mo Salah is like one of the most famous soccer players out Damn, there. Damn, that tells you how all, out, off of soccer I am right You do now. know Erling Holland, right? I know the name. Of Manchester City? I know Liverpool, but no, oh, I'm geez. out of touch with soccer. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. All right, on that note, we're out of here. See ya. <laughs> Ahmed's got to go. He's got a 1 o'clock phone call. He's got to get some food. We're out. Homies, thanks for the questions. Keep tuning in. We'll be back Wednesday for the What the Fuck Happened podcast. Ahmed, clap it up. Clap it up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.